Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So before, I have told you a story about a playoff game that I was at for the Astros in 2005. It was actually uh, the ALDS, that's a division series. But fast forward, 2017, I attended game two of the American League Championship Series. That's essentially the round before they get to go to the World Series. So the winner of that represents the American League in the World Series. If you don't know what the World Series is, it's a championship for Major League Baseball. Now you're caught up. All right, here we go. So I'm at game two of the American League Championship Series. It's Houston Astros versus the New York Yankees at Minute Maid Park. Here's the scenario. The game goes on. We get to the ninth inning. It's bottom of the ninth inning. Astros are at bat because they're the home team. It's a tie game. There's a runner on first. That runner is the winning run. If that runner gets home before three outs, Astros win, ball game over. So it is Jose Altuve on first base, bottom of the ninth, Carlos Correa at bat. That's the scenario we're in, and this is how it shakes out. Take a look at the screen. So believe that or not believe that, that is a video from my phone. I took that video. Camera school. So I took that video. I knew this could be a big moment. So I pull out my phone. I take the video. And they score. And I flip out. And if you're thinking, what's the matter with you? Why would you do that? Here's what I'm saying to you. What's the matter with you? Why wouldn't you do that? That's the appropriate response in that scenario. Everybody in the stadium that is, that is moderately loyal to the Houston Astros is losing their mind. People at their houses probably stood up off their couch, lost their minds, cheering because the Astros have pulled it off. We have won. It is over. It is ours to keep moving on. The appropriate response is to cheer, is to jump, is to shout, is to... I'm, I'm sure people hugged in that moment that have not known one another at all. Like, we sat down, and you're like, I don't know, you give me a hug. <laughs> like, it's just the appropriate response to what they saw. So why do I tell you that? Because that's what worship is. Worship is the appropriate response to who God is and what God has accomplished in Jesus. And for so many of us, we pinhole worship to the moment that we just left. It's singing. But if you look in the scriptures, what you will find is That worship is way broader than singing. Singing is just a way of worshiping. We worship through song. But singing is not the worship. It's just a way to do worship. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is look at different areas of your life. Things that we think you are commonly involved in. Some of you may not be involved in all of them, but at least all of you are involved in one of them. 
And we'll ask the question, how do we worship God in this arena of our life? Because if worship is the right response to who God is and what God has accomplished in Jesus, then that affects every arena of your life. And that means that you can worship God in every arena of your life. The question is, how do I do that? How do I do that? So we're going to read Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Here's what the Word of God says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So here's the main idea. Here's what I want you to get in your brains. In response to the gospel of Jesus, Christians surrender all of their life in worship to God. In response to the gospel of Jesus, Christians surrender all of their life in worship to God. And this is accomplished by rejecting conformity and pursuing transformation of the mind. We'll shake that down in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. So here's what Paul's going to do in the first verse. He's going to do this. He's going to answer this question, why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? Maybe you're asking that question. Why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? Well, Paul answers that. Look back at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Let's just pause. This is what Paul says. I am begging you. I am pleading with you. How are you pleading with us? By the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. What does he mean? He is begging these Christian people because he says, I appeal to you, brothers, followers of Jesus, by the mercies of God. Other translations say, in view of the mercies of God. Meaning, I'm appealing to you in light of the mercy of God displayed in the gospel of Jesus. You see, for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul has spelled out, this is who God is, this is how we have sinned against him, and this is how God has shown mercy in sending his son to die and rise from the dead. And for 11 chapters, Paul spells that out and teases it out, that you and I are sinful, we have rejected God, we have turned our backs on God, we have chosen our own way, and God is holy, and we are not, and we cannot be in God's presence because of our sin, yet... God in his mercy sends Jesus to come and live perfectly on earth where you and I were supposed to live perfectly. And not only does he live perfectly, but he dies where you and I were supposed to die because he is paying for sin that you and I committed. He was perfect. We were not yet. He died the death that we were supposed to die. That's mercy from God, friends. He died the death that you were, you were supposed to die. He went into the grave and three days later rose from the dead as the victorious king proclaiming to the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so Paul says, I am begging you, people who say that you follow Jesus, and I'm begging you in light of the fact that Jesus has died and risen. What is he begging them to do? Let's keep looking at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? The first thing is this. Because the gospel has transformed all of our life, if we say we are followers of Jesus. 
We should understand all of our life as an opportunity to worship because the gospel has transformed all of our life. The gospel does not just transform your church life. The gospel does not just transform your behavior life. The gospel transforms all of your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone's a follower of Jesus, if anyone says they're a Christian, this is the reality. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are something completely different. You are not just an improved version of you. You are a new version of you. Therefore, the gospel has transformed every part of you. Galatians 2.20, Paul says it like this. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In another way, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. My old self, it's died. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live is something different. Why? Because the gospel transforms every part of your life. Therefore, the gospel infects and affects every part of your life. The gospel is not just for church. The gospel is just not for your small group. The gospel is just not for when you read the Bible. The gospel is just not for how you speak. It's for every part of your life and therefore every place you go in your life. So, why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? Because the gospel, the gospel transforms all of our life. But there's a response to that. He gives us the why, and then he gives us the what. Look back at verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, according to the gospel, to do what, Paul? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul says, in light of the gospel, here should our, this, is, this is our response. To present all of our life to God. So why, why should we understand all of life as an opportunity to worship? Because Paul says that worship is presenting all of your life to God. This is the appropriate response to the gospel. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It would have called to mind for them animal sacrifice. They would have known, whether they were Jewish or not, Roman or Jewish, Gentile or anywhere in between, they would have known animal sacrifice. They brought an animal to an altar to kill it and sacrifice to God as wor- to a God as worship. They would have known that. So Paul draws that image to them and says, God is requiring of you in light of the gospel for you to lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Don't come to the altar to kill yourself. Just take your life, lay it down and say, God, you have control of this. And he says, that's worship to God. That worship affects how we live. It is a lifestyle. It's not just the songs that we sing. It's not just the moments in church. It is all of our life. And he says, doing this is holy and acceptable to God. So here's how we're going to define worship. Worship is the surrendering of all of our life to God in response to who God is and what God has done. I'll say one more time. Worship is the surrendering of all of our life to God in response to who God is and what God has done. 
through Jesus. That's the definition we're going to run with. That's the definition we're going to lay over everything that we talk about over the next four weeks. And so we'll discuss four things over the next four weeks. We'll talk about social media. We'll talk about the relationships that you're a part of. We'll talk about school. And we'll talk about your free time. And we'll lay that definition over it and say, how do we worship God in these arenas of life? Because if worship is for all of our life, then certainly it affects those areas. But the question is how? How does that work? So how is worshiping God accomplished according to Paul? Look back at verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So maybe at this point in the game, you might be asking the question, okay, I get it. Worship is all of life. It is a lifestyle. If we could say it like that, it affects every part of our life. But Kate, how do we do this? Well, Paul gives it to you. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So two things to answer this question. How is worshiping with all of our life accomplished? What does it look like? The first thing is this. We would reject conformity. Reject conformity. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. So in order to worship God with all of our life, we have to be aware of how the world is calling us to conform. The image that the, that the, that the text should call to our mind is us fitting into a mold. Think about a cookie cutter. They take that cookie cutter, they stamp the dough, and the intention is for every cookie to look the same. That's the point of a cookie cutter. It's the point of a mold. And what Paul is saying is, you want to see your life and use your life in every arena as worship to God? Then you can't fit into the mold that the world's giving to you. You can't be conformed to the world. Looking like the world is not worship to God. So he says, don't be conformed to the world. Reject conformity. But he says something else. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the second way that we worship God with all of our life, the second way it's accomplished is by pursuing transformation. Pursuing transformation. Well, how do we pursue transformation? Look what he says back in verse 2. But be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. To begin thinking differently about how you live, where you live. And he says that the purpose of this is that you would know God's will. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how, Kate, how do I worship God with all of my life? You reject conformity and you pursue a transformed mind. You reject the world's mold and you begin by God's grace to think differently about how you live, where you live. So if this is the case, then how does this reply to our use of social media? So here's the truth. Many of you, many of you have multiple platforms of social media. Some of you don't have social media. But hear me, hear me. Don't check out because probably, given the progression of the culture, you will have some kind of social media one day. It's common language where we are right now. And so what I'm not saying in the next few minutes is social media is the devil. I have social media. I'm saying, as followers of Jesus, 
we ought to understand how to operate in a way that is honoring to God on social media. We should not look like everyone else on social media. We should not conform to the mold, but we should think differently about it. So the question is how? How do we worship God on social media? How do we use social media in a worshipful way? Do we just post Bible verses, Kate? Is that how we do it? You can, but that's not what I'm getting at. Let's use Paul's model. He gives us a model of how to do this. He says to reject conformity and to, he says to reject conformity and to pursue, pursue transformation. Don't fit into the mold and think differently. So that's how we'll answer this. So here's the, here, how do we use social media worshipfully? The first thing you need to do is identify how you're being tempted to conform to the world's way of using it and reject it. You need to identify how are you being tempted to conform to the world's way of using social media and you need to reject it. Well, Cade, what are those things? The world encourages you to find your identity in social media, in likes, in views, in followers, in your follower-to-following ratio, in your streak, And who comments? And the world is telling you, if you are important, this is what it will look like. Your social media will get likes on likes, comments on comments, following, following. Your ratio will be great. Oh, you have how many streaks? It's how long? And the world will invite you into that to say, this is how you matter by likes and views, your value, your identity, and your worth. It's found here. Do you matter? Let's look at your social media. And we're tempted to fit into that mold. Some of you may have, may have had the thought before, what would it be like? What would it be like if on Instagram I got the little blue check mark? What would it be like? Many of you have posted a photo and 10 minutes later got back on Instagram just to check how many likes you had received. Perhaps many of you have posted a photo and got got on Instagram later, saw that you didn't have that many likes and took the photo down because you're living for a like, for a view, for a comment, and you're finding your identity there. But what that is, is fitting into a mold that the world is offering you, not God. So identify how you're being tempted to conform and reject it. Another way that you're you're being tempted to conform is social media is teaching you that this is where significant relationships are found. Places like Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and on and on are tricking you into thinking, this is real relationships. Hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, I follow her on Instagram. That's not what I asked. Do you know them? I mean, I, I know lots about where she goes. I know lots about the food that she eats. She takes pictures of and posts on her Instagram. She was with so-and-so yesterday. It was in her story. And it tricks us into thinking that these are real relationships. And you're tempted to conform to that mold. All the while, God is calling you into something way better. So how do you worship God? 
on social media, the first thing you need to do is identify how you're being tempted to conform and reject it. But the second thing is we need to think differently about it, right? Paul says, don't be conformed, but he also says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the second thing we need to do to worship God on social media is to pursue a renewed way of thinking about and operating on social media. We We need to figure out how to think differently about what social media is and how we operate on social media. So here are five things that I think would be helpful for you in thinking about how to worship God on social media. The first thing is this. Always pursue the glory of God in how you interact on social media. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Perhaps you could say it like this. If Paul were in 21st century America, perhaps he would say it like this. So whether you tweet or post something on your Instagram or comment or put something on your story or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so maybe you need to ask yourself the question, when, before I post this, does this honor God? Is this for God's glory? Does what I post, does what I comment, does what I even retweet or like, does it align with who that I say I am in Christ? Or is it confusing? Are people going to see Christian in my bio, but when they see the things that I post, they're going to be confused? So ask yourself, is this for the glory of God? Second thing. Pursue the building of the right kingdom on social media. Pursue the building of the right kingdom on social media. Maybe you could ask yourself this question. Do I see social media as a platform to further God's kingdom or a platform to build my own? Here's the deal. If you're living for likes and followers, you just displayed whose kingdom you're trying to build. Have social media. Post fun pictures. See fun pictures of your friends. But don't live for a like. Don't live for for a follow. Don't live for a number. That kingdom is going to get destroyed when Jesus rips the skies open. And it won't matter. So whose kingdom are you trying to build on social media? Your own? Or God's? Because... Let me just let you in on a, on, on a not-so-kept secret. God wins this deal. His kingdom is going to be established, like it or not. So whose kingdom are you building on social media? Third thing for helping us think differently about social media and how to worship God on it is have the right priorities. Have the right priorities when it comes to social media. Ask yourself this question. Gauged by the time that I spend on social media, what place of importance does it hold in my life? What would my screen time on social media tell people about what I worship? This is a question for me, friends. It's an easy escape for me. So the question to us is, 
gauged by the time that we spend on social media, what does it tell us about what place of importance it holds in our life? Because we ought to have the right priorities. Social media can be in your life, but it ought not be your life. So let's have the right priorities. Fourth thing, for helping us think differently about social media. If it's an idol, tear it down. If it's an idol, tear it down. Ask yourself this question. Am I finding my worth, my value, my identity from what I post and who notices it? Because friend, if that's where you live, you have found your idol. And that God will not give you anything. It cannot hear, it cannot see, it cannot speak. It's an idol. And so the encouragement from the scriptures would be, tear it down. Tear it down. Kid, how do I tear it down? Get off of social media. What? Do you want me to be the most irrelevant teenager in 2019? Think about it like this. Your holiness before God is way more important than your relevance on social media. And it will be into eternity. So if it's an idol, tear it down. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I have to fight this. Like, okay, you're a pastor. You just don't have to deal with this. False. I'm a human. There are moments. There are moments that I just want to get on social media and it's like, man, I posted this real cute photo of Wesley. I bet tons of people like this thing. And that's in me. Because I want that affirmation. I want people to notice. I want people to like me. And in that moment, in that moment, God will kindly convict me and say, don't get on social media, Cade. That's you bound down to an idol that won't give you what you think it will give you. Don't do it. So friend, don't do it. Tear it down. The last thing, for us to think differently about social media, if it's a source of temptation and stumbling, remove it. Remove it. Romans 13, 14 says this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Another translation of the Bible says this, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. He says, make no provision for the flesh. Get rid of the source of your temptation or stumbling. Matthew 5, 29 through 30, Jesus says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. So perhaps Jesus could modify that statement in 2019 and would say, if your Instagram causes you to sin, delete it. Because it's way better for an app to go into virtual whatever than for you to lose holiness. So friend, if it's a place where you struggle, if it's a place where you run, friends, to find images, to indulge your lustful desires, delete it. Run from that. Flee from it. It won't give you what you think. 
If it's a place that you run to find affirmation, look at me when I tell you this. It won't give it because what somebody likes today, they will hate tomorrow. Don't live for that. It won't give you what you want. But Kate, it's so easy. It's just right there and it's so normal. I know that. I'm living in that. But as somebody who loves you, don't run there. Jesus says this question, what's it going to profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So maybe I'll ask you the question, what's it going to profit you for gaining all the followers in the world but you lose your soul? It won't be worth it. It will never be worth it. So we ought to worship God in the way that we use social media, in the way that we see social media. And we can do this. And we should do this because the gospel of Jesus has transformed all of our life and that affects the way that we live all of our life, including the way we are on social media. So then what do we do? Maybe some of you need to repent. Maybe some of you in the next few moments when the band comes back up here, you just need to say to God, I have bowed down to this idol long enough and I'm just saying to you, God, I'm sorry. Maybe some of you need to confess to a trusted friend or a leader in the back, I have ran to social media to view images and videos that are just fulfilling my lustful desires and I know it's not God's best and so I just need to say that to somebody to bring it into the light and kill it. I just need to say to God, God, I have tried so hard to build my kingdom on social media. And I realize now that it'll never, ever, it'll never, ever be as good as your kingdom. Yours is better. Yours is better. So I'm sorry. And you know what you'll find if you're, in, if you're a follower of Jesus? Not shame. Not, well, I tried to tell you that a hundred times. No, you know what you'll find? mercy. That's what Paul says. I'm appealing to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Lay your life down in worship to God. It's the right response. It's the right response.